Well, my name is Tom Dykstra, and I'm inviting you to rethink the ways you plan and lead worship. And it's because I believe that your leadership has the power to help your people experience worship that is truly life-changing. Worship that reorients their lives to the hope of the gospel. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Think Again Worship Podcast. I decided for this episode to share with you my planning process for last week's liturgy and just to kind of share the process of how it came together and materialized for me. And the first thing I want to say is that that I find prepping liturgy that it's something that I procrastinate on. Planning songs is one thing and coming up with songs that flow musically and thematically is something that for me it, it, it comes very quickly and easily but I tend to leave the liturgy writing and I'll talk about what I mean by that um, usually towards the end of the week and I do that because pretty much with anything that I procrastinate on I do it because there's some sense of fear there's some sense of intimidation um, it's hard I, I doubt whether I'm going to be able to come up with something that makes sense I doubt that it's going to be interconnected with all the other aspects of the service, or that people are going to be able to really understand or be able to follow the flow. And I, and I want it to be concise and I want it to be helpful. And if you, if you know anything about trying to make things more concise and clear, you know that that's a long process. It's often grueling to try to get something shorter and more succinct. So I wanted to share from my planning this past week also because I experienced a shift that I often do experience when planning, liturgy in particular. It starts as a burden. It starts as something challenging, as I just described, that's intimidating. And there was a pivotal moment where it became a joy. And I often find that it's, it's the most powerful part Um, kind of at the heart level of worship planning for me and through piecing together the liturgy within the flow of the of the worship i end up having to enunciate the gospel really really clearly in a fresh way that people can understand and i it's almost like i know i'm not there until i have that aha moment that good news moment when i realize man god's grace and his goodness is freeing and it's sweet So first off, just a quick review of the liturgical ingredients I'm typically um, looking for on a regular Sunday. Uh, I apologize if this is redundant. I'm going to try to blow through it real quick. But first, I'm looking for a call to worship. And it's usually a verse from scripture that reminds us that God's the one who's initiating worship. And then I just make a quick segue, kind of lead in to the rest of the songs. The second thing I'm looking for is um, confession and confession. Confession is valuable because it helps us connect our own brokenness, our own failures and sin to the brokenness of humanity and the story of God. And it really can um, make worship personal. And and it's it's a corporate confession. So it's, it's both personal and communal expression that we all need a savior. And that consists of pretty much a setup or an invitation into confession that helps people understand why we do it. And then it's usually a prayer. Uh, it can take on many shapes, maybe a guided reflection or a prayer that we speak together, maybe even a call and response or kind of a back and forth uh, prayer. And uh, it's just inviting the whole church, 
the whole church family, to be honest before God. And then the next piece, um, and the last one I'm really going to talk about for today is an assurance or assurance of pardon. And this is that moment where you switch, you shift from kind of that um, sober uh, confession and honesty and um, insincerity into a message, and this is the assurance of pardon, it's a message from scripture, it's a succinct verse that communicates, man, God has done, through Christ, he's done everything necessary to make us right with him, to reconcile us with him. And there's so many different verses you can use. And and so I'll read that verse, and then I'll speak something like, you know, friends, um, believe and declare the good news of the gospel. And then they might say, in Christ Jesus, our sins are completely forgiven. Amen. So in my context, uh, we typically do all of those pieces of, of liturgic, litur- liturgical elements. We do them all in the opening set of, of songs. And one of the reasons I like that is because it gives the whole church family a really clear gospel reminder before we dive into the sermon where God's going to call us to live a certain way. And if we haven't been adequately and and completely reminded that our identity in God is not dependent on our ability to obey what we hear in the word, but it's um, on what he has done for us in Christ. And in the sermon can feel the things that God calls us for or calls us to in the sermon can feel crushing without the freedom and clarity of that gospel. So it's not the only way to do it. It's just um, the way I do and the way I like to do it. So, As I started planning worship last week, um, this is towards the beginning of the week, I, I usually start by considering, you know, what themes make sense for this Sunday. And sometimes it's last week's sermon or the way we ended the service last week. Sometimes it's like current events happening in the world, you know, that that we just need to pay attention to because people's um, hearts and minds are, are focused on them or, or maybe distracted by them or struggling with them. And sometimes it's what's happening in your specific church family. And for us, that that's the thing that came to my mind. We, we've been walking through something. I'm just starting recently as a church and without getting into it, basically, I just knew it's important to think about what, how we're going to worship, what we're going to sing, and what I'm going to say to the family as we gather. And so I was sitting down and I, I, Hillary was in the room and I asked her um, as I began planning, um, what kind of focus uh, or, or worship thing do you think our church family needs? And I don't remember her exact words, but she said something like, I think we need to focus on um, just that Christ is is king, uh, that he's sovereign over everything, um, that he's our, our, our leader. And as she was saying those things, it's exactly where my mind already was. And I was, I guess I was using my wife as a sounding board and, and maybe to test my, um, my gut feelings. So we decided that that's the truth that we really want to establish through in, in the worship set, that he's our sovereign God, he's our authority, he's our leader. And um, we need to be paying attention to him and listening to him. And so as I started thinking of songs, there was a couple that just popped right into my mind. And they didn't necessarily flow together, but here, here's what they were. The first one was, All Glory Be to Christ. That's that uh, Auld Lang Syne melody from King's Kaleidoscope. It's, Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, its builders strive. And it just kind of felt like the song of saying, you know, unless God's in this, 
we're, we we basically need him to be and and otherwise you know what we do as a church isn't doesn't amount to anything another song that quickly came to mind um, was full attention and it's that jeremy riddle song may your voice be louder may your voice be clearer than all the others you know please keep my mind fixed or keep my eyes fixed on you keep my heart rooted so deep in you keep me abiding both of those if they are the first two songs, they didn't seem to fit in their typical places there, uh, but they definitely nailed that theme. Another song on my mind um, was one that I had introduced a few weeks back uh, for the first time at the church, and it's called In Tenderness by Citizens. Uh, it used to be called Citizens and Saints. It's an awesome old hymn done, very upbeat and uh, energetic and fun, and just it's a great congregational song, I find. Well, I wanted to begin um, that set with a call to worship that that also supported that theme of Christ as King, God as Sovereign. Um, And so I just knew, okay, theme-wise, that's what I'm aiming for with call to worship. And then as I started thinking about the next piece, confession, if we really do full attention as the second song, a prayer that we'd hear and savor and obey God's voice above all the others, uh, a natural confession segue is, you know, there are a lot of voices we've been listening to. There are a lot of other voices that we pay more attention to than God's. And so, um, again, I'm just kind of putting theme ideas down and just as I'm scrolling through my planning document, just typing in some things. And I just put, um, I tried to make a list of many of the voices we listen to, or I thought maybe I'll write a responsive prayer where, you know, I talk about one, I confess one, and then the church confesses one and kind of go back and forth reviewing some of those voices we hear and admitting that we listen to them. Um, But while I was scrolling through confessions I'd written before, just my bank of confessions and assurances, I came across a um, kind of a prompt for silence and reflection that I'd used before, which was asking a question. God, what needs to change in me? Well, I left that all there. I liked that question. I thought it it seemed, for some reason, it kind of caught my, my eye and seemed like a good question to ask God when we're thinking about who we're listening to. And, and, and sometimes, uh, well, I shifted to the assurance, thinking about the assurance. And sometimes you can just drop a, a verse of assurance in at this moment. But I really thought, man, I got some themes in in play here, and I want to find something that fits it well before just settling on the first, you know, stock uh, assurance of pardon that I've used before. And as well as things are going at this point, um, this was a moment that my motivation and creativity started to putter out a bit. To be honest with you, you know, I, I talked in last episode about how I like to plan ahead, but this was a Saturday night kind of thing. We had such a busy week, and... Um, I just, I said, Hillary, I need to take some time to get the liturgy figured out. So um, here we go. And um, I was just losing my motivation. But I, I, I plowed through. I knew I had to finish it. You know, you're under the gun. Um, so I started to think about the message theme, which I, I'd already given some thought to, but it, it was about the, the resurrection power of Jesus is the same power at work within us. And so I thought of some verses that echoed in my head from Ephesians of, um, you know, and I I hoped that it would work as an uh, assurance of pardon, but I wanted to say something like some kind of encouragement that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. Um, And the verse that I found wasn't quite fitting. And as I 
as I realized that, I suddenly noticed that there was this theme running through the songs and liturgy that I didn't even really plan. And even though I've already mentioned it, I hadn't really noticed it, um, how pervasive it was. And that was the, the voice theme. So specifically, that, that full attention is, is packed with the voice motif, but so is um, in tenderness. There's this line, I never heard a sweeter voice. And that drew me back to the call to worship. And I started thinking, how can I connect that with a call to worship? One of my struggles with the call to worship is I often tell our church family, it's God who calls us into worship. But then the verse I'm using sounds like David is calling us into worship or the Apostle Paul is calling us into worship. And so I really thought, if we're going to stick with this voice theme of hearing God's voice, I want the call to worship to be God's voice, Jesus' voice. And so I thought of, um, my mind went to throne room options, like in Isaiah, um, what does he say in Isaiah? I went and looked that up. And then I looked in Revelation. What does Jesus, what does God from the throne say in Revelation? And I found a couple different options in Revelation chapter one. The first one uh, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And I liked that one. I thought that definitely, you know, the Almighty, the one who always was, Alpha, Omega, the always the one that always will be. And um, it seemed to be a good option. But as I paged through the rest of the chapter, I found another another thing that Jesus says from the throne. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And actually, I'm just looking at it now. He's not speaking it from the throne. He's, he's um, placed his right hand on John when he's saying this. And so I knew I had something there for the call to worship. So I took that verse, and I'll share with you in a little bit how I segued into the song. So that worked for me well. Our church needs to hear God calling us into worship with his very voice. Our church needs to remember Christ as king, and we'd sing a prayer um, that his voice would be sweeter, truer, dearer, louder than all the others. Um, In confession, we would admit that there's a bunch of other voices we listen to, and we'd confess Um, that we have not only listened to those voices, we've lived by them. And that felt really good to differentiate between admitting, yeah, there's lots of voices, but then confessing, and those voices have formed and shaped our our everyday life. And so the confession exercise was to take um, some time in silence to listen for God's voice, saying, Lord, what needs to change in me? And somewhere along the line, Um, I was reviewing the verses for assurance that I had, and um, none of them were really clicking. And I don't know what it had been if I had been Googling some call to worship options, but I I literally clicked on another window in Safari, and um, I saw a verse that said, we have one who speaks on our behalf. And I was like, one who speaks. There's that voice theme again. Um, And this is when I got excited because... um, One of the themes that has repeatedly come up in Romans 8 is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But when you ask God, think about this for a second. When you ask God, Lord, what needs to change in me? 
you immediately start, it's not hard to find things, right? And the feeling very quickly can become feelings of guilt, feelings of inadequacy. I don't have what it takes to uh, live up or to, to follow. And so this assurance from 1 John was going to, this is Jesus defending us against the, vo- the voice of the accuser. And, and he speaks for us, so it's his voice. So at that point, everything was kind of tying together. And this is what I wanted to happen. This was that aha moment. With where, It actually was like a gradual aha moment. Because as soon as I noticed the voice theme, I started to be like, okay, that puts me on a certain track. And so it's always great when you can find a theme either from the sermon from last week or uh, as I did, this one just kind of um, grew into place. It, it all seemed to kind of start clicking. And there always is that cleaning up, like you go from just having the idea to having actually what you're going to say. But that's how it came together. Now, I'm going to just quickly share uh, how, how that actually went in real time, how I led the church in my context and just kind of speak through the liturgy for you and kind of fill in the songs. I won't, I won't sing them or play them or anything, but here we go. Let's, let's just dive in. This was... I don't know when I'm going to get this podcast posted, but this was uh, Sunday, February 20 uh, at our church. So when I, when we start a service, people are wandering in still, maybe half the church is kind of near a seat and half are mingling or getting coffee or whatever the case may be. So I always just say, Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. So glad that you're with us. We invite you to find a, a seat, find a place to be, and then when you've when you've done that, go ahead and stand together as we get ready to worship. And then I pause and I wait. And I wait a long time, as I've mentioned in Call to Worship episodes before. But when they had kind of settled in a little bit, um, I started the Call to Worship. And I said, you know, God calls us into worship with his words from Revelation 1. And I want you to imagine Jesus speaking these words to you with his very voice. Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Our foundation as we navigate this life, the challenges, the fears, anxieties, the conflicts of this day, this week, and this year, Our foundation through it all is the one who always was and always will be, the living one. And he's welcoming you to experience his goodness and his grace and to put all of your trust in him. So let's do that as we sing. And then we jumped into All I Have is Christ. The chorus of that song is, All glory be to Christ our King, all glory be to Christ, His rule and reign will ever sing, all glory be to Christ. And the last verse is a, a great kind of forward-looking verse. And on the day the, that, when on that day the great I am, the faithful and the true, the Lamb who was for sinners slain is making all things new. Behold, our God shall live with us and be our steadfast light, and we will ere His people be, all glory be to Christ. So when that song kind of simmered out at the end, we uh, started full attention. May her voice be louder. May her voice be clearer than all the others. May her love move deeper. May her light shine brighter. And we actually ended the song um, with those four lines. May her voice be louder. Voice be clearer. May her light shine brighter. 
May your love move deeper. And then I said, well, if we're honest, we we admit today that there are a lot of other voices we've been listening to, and they're telling us to be independent, take control, take shortcuts, to question whether God is really good, to doubt his love, even abandon his ways. But our confession is that we've not only listened to those voices, we've lived by them. So I invite you in the quiet of your own heart to ask God this simple question, Lord, what needs to change in me? At that point, I gave maybe 30, maybe 45 seconds. And then I said, you know, considering what God would change in us often leads to feelings of guilt and inadequacy. But there's really good news for us in 1 John that there is a voice far more powerful than that voice of condemnation. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Friends, Jesus' voice defends us against the accuser. He's done everything necessary to forgive us, to redeem us, and make us new. Amen. And, you know, I don't know what kind of church uh, you are leading in, but ours, you know, there's kind of a mix of the stoic and the expressive. But I know at least someone's got to be like, amen, or just like, yes, or clap, or um, that, that's when you know that you've, you've, you've reminded them of the truth. And even if they don't express it, um, what I hope is that people experience what I did in planning that liturgy, just that another reminder that we need every day, but definitely every week, that Jesus has done it all. That our standing with God is not dependent on how good we are at listening to his voice all the time, but on uh, Jesus' voice defending us and speaking on our behalf. And that's a moment that only comes in worship because I worked hard on it. And I spent maybe just 90 minutes, um, well, it's a long time, I guess, but I, I spent an hour to an hour and a half just kind of hashing that out and wrestling with it. And, and you may think I had, I don't have time for that. And, and honestly, when, when you're out of practice or haven't done that a lot, it can take even longer. And maybe the result isn't exactly what you want it to be, but I just encourage you to take time. Um, if you've kind of got song planning down, if you can kind of get that done quick and then spend some time pulling together a liturgy like this, um, it can be really meaningful. It gives people handles for, you know, why are we singing these songs? and how normal it is to come out of that confession and want to sing another one. In tenderness, he sought me, weary and sick with sin, and on his shoulders brought me back to his fold again. And just uh, the song of gratitude and and praise that comes um, after that. Never heard a sweeter voice. It made my aching heart rejoice. So this episode, just wanted to walk you through that. Also wanted to point out that Man, all my my efficiency template from the last episode of like how I start planning worship two weeks ahead of time, it doesn't always work out that way. But you still do need to block out the time uh, to make some of these pieces come together. 
Anyway, thank you for joining me for this episode. Listen to the other episodes. I hope you find it valuable and meaningful. And I hope that I can continue to share stuff with you guys. Have a great day. See you next time. Well, thank you for listening to the Think Again Worship Podcast. As I share my perspectives and as we think about worship together, I would love to hear from you what's helpful and what's not. And if there's a question or a topic that you'd like me to dig into on the podcast, please send me an email and let me know, tomdykstra at gmail.com. I hope you found some value in this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or another worship leader, and I would love to have you tune in again next time. We'll see you then.